Hello and welcome to That Science, the podcast exploring the meaning of science today. This is What's Science, and I'm your host, Amelia Doran. Before we get into today's episode, I want to say a massive thank you to everyone who came down and supported my Pint of Science event this week. It was really great to have some familiar faces in the audience, and you lucky listeners might get to hear some of the great stuff we talked about in Susan's episode next week, so stay tuned for that. This episode, we're talking about error and uncertainty in science. Before I introduce our guest for today, I want to give you a quick statistical term breakdown. I know, groan. Uncertainty is used in statistics to refer to a situation when there is a range of possible values and the answer sits somewhere within that range. It's usually created by the variability in a measurement which has been used to generate data. Error in statistics is the difference between the true value and the measured value and its use comes from the original Latin word errorum which means wandering or straying. Scientists split error into statistical or systematic error. Statistical error refers to the error which is related to a single data point, which is random. And then systematic error refers to error which is present within the methodology and it's not random, and therefore it can be eliminated. Our guest this week is Alex Cullen, a fellow SciComm master student. I want to say an especially big thank you to Alex for chatting to us this week, as we are both in the middle of deadline season. Although by the time you listen to this, we'll probably have submitted our big project for this term, if everything's gone okay. I'm really grateful to her for taking the time to sit and chat numbers with me, and I apologise in advance for the slight chaos of our discussion, but I think we were both being fueled by caffeine and stress throughout this episode. I also want to apologise for the slight issues in sound quality in this episode. I think my mic doesn't really like the heat at the moment, even though I do. Here's our discussion of error and uncertainty, what they mean in science, and what they mean for science communication. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Alex. Thank you for having me. Welcome. So do you want to just start by introducing yourself a bit and what you did before the course? Of course. So I did my undergraduate in natural sciences, which is a fancy term for like a flexible science degree. And I basically majored in biology and I also did some psychology alongside it. And I did my third year project was a literature review and I focused on the effect sugars have on the molecular basis of Alzheimer's disease which is a fancy way of saying how it causes the things to build up in the brain if that makes sense wonderful brains yeah you brains. Do a lot of brains a lot with, I don't know why <laughs> it's happened that way <laughs> the brains came to me I didn't ask for that. <laughs> you know that's fine yeah. so talking about brains I don't think that's a good segue, but we'll just go with it anyway. It is a segue um, now. So we're going to talk today a bit about uncertainty errors in science. And one of the reasons I want to talk about this is because when we talk about uncertainty and error, it means something very different in scientific language to in mainstream language. Mm-hmm. I feel like as a scientist, whenever you have to calculate it, you just say, Excel, tell me my uncertainty in Excel. Yeah. You know, does some computery stuff and goes you're all good it's fine your egg protein yeah. is probably protein and you're like yes thank you <laughs> that's the answer yeah. i wanted to hear but so they're things that are beyond your control right so mm. they come from a lot of different things i mean basically one thing that oh what's his name we should name him i feel like 
So not because I told Alex to, but because we're just that great at research. We've both read this article on Forbes by a guy called Chad Orzel. And he talks about uncertainty and error and how it's a very infuriating thing for a lot of people at university because it's really hard to get your head around that concept. And especially because as soon as you have any uncertainty, a lot of students, the first thing they do is like, oh, it was probably just human error. Yeah. And his point is like, no, that's expressly not what we want it to be because that means that you've done a bad experiment and you need to do your experiment again. Yeah. So uncertainty is not that human side it's kind of everything that's not human yeah and the whole thing about systematic error is that it's things that are beyond your control it's not you haven't got the perfect measurement it's things in nature and things in the world don't happen in this perfectly ordered fashion and the wonderful thing about systematic error is that it'll always always be the same every time you do the experiment so that's why we do a whole bunch of repeats. I remember I was doing um for my uh, chemistry IA back in my IV. My like experiment was blending up spinach that had been cooked for different Ooh. lengths of time and trying to work out how much iron was in it. I don't want to say there was very much scientific accuracy in that overall. I remember calculating the uncertainty and being like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, but I remember one of my teachers walked in and saw me like blending up this spinach and there was a little leak of spinach juice like down the side of the thing and they were like that's not great I was like I'll just make sure that that's there every time and then (laughs) there will always be a spinach leak (laughs) exactly so that's the kind of systematic error right just like as long as it always happens it's so fine we get rid of it and yeah that's that's why we average everything that's why you do three tests and then average it yeah it's why you have statistics it's why, as much as no one likes them, they still exist and are still you. <laughs> I think it's not a controversial thing to say no one likes this. Other I mean, than statisticians. <laughs> yeah, but they get paid for it, so yeah. it's like, fair enough. So that's one type of error. What's the other type of error, Alex? The other type of error is statistical error and statistical uncertainty. So that's what I would be more familiar with when we're talking about errors and uncertainty because that is where you actually probably would get a number spat out at you that's telling you the difference in the numbers you're collecting and the error between those so a really good example when I was researching for the podcast episode was about if you're dropping a ball on the floor and measuring the amount of time it takes for the ball to drop the statistical error is what you're going to get out of the difference between the numbers when you're measuring that time it takes for the ball to hit the ground so one time it might take three seconds another time it might take 3.1 seconds and that difference of the 0.1 second is your statistical uncertainty so these types of uncertainty are kind of as much as we wouldn't always discuss them when we talk about science they're always present right like every experiment that we do has some form of uncertainty associated with it yeah And do you think that that is a good thing, a bad thing, and a different thing? Goodness, what a big question. I think it's a complex thing because it makes science not what it appears to be from the outside. So like when I was thinking about the kinds of things to say in this episode and the things that might come up, a big thing for me is that uncertainty is a 
complex concept when it comes to science because the way science has built itself up as an institution means that it comes across as infallible and the concept of uncertainty a bit iffy when you bring it up because to other people it sounds like well it's not like you can get things wrong how can you be uncertain about science it's meant to be right you're meant to be able to prove these things but i think it's important because that's not actually what science is unfortunately <laughs> and it helps understand data. I really liked, again, the way that Chad put it. He said that all uncertainty is, is giving you a defined area. Like, we know that the answer is within this specific amount. Yeah. Whether that's, you know, plus or minus 0.05% yeah. or whatever it is. It's instead of saying it could be anywhere, but yeah. we think it's here. It's saying we know it's like within this little box. Yeah. And then you can make your assumptions on that. And then the, the uncertainty is the size of that box, right? Yeah. So one of the reasons I think, I mean, I'm quite proud on the podcast that we haven't talked a lot about the pandemic until this point, which we also applaud ourselves in class yeah, all the time. And we're like, <laughs> we haven't talked about the pandemic in like three weeks. Well done, everyone. <laughs> but it was such a big thing during the pandemic. So we've spoken before, uh, I think back in the very first episode when we talked about preprint of articles. Mm. And it was something massive that happened during the pandemic where research would be published with such and such a finding and everyone would be like, wonderful, like we need to get that into public health messaging and yeah. everything we need to get that all sorted and like apply that right now and then scientists would look at that paper and say but yeah the uncertainty is like twice the value yeah it's not significant no there's nothing about that where we're like yeah that's that's useful yeah you use the word significant i did use the word significant and then there was a little bit of fear in your eyes and you were I like knew you were gonna bring it up <laughs> statistical significance <laughs> so what is significance Great question. Statistical significance is how we judge whether the data is good, I would say, in very basic terms. Um, when you're looking at data and you've done a stats test, you get the famous p-value, which is talked about in such blatant terms as if everyone knows what a p-value is in like other contexts outside of research papers people will make a statement and then say, and the p-value was this. And to an outsider, it's bizarre that they don't consider people wouldn't know what that is. So you feel like p is just, like, it doesn't have, I don't, yeah. I think the symbol is actually rho. Yeah. But then it looks but like then a p, it's a p, so then we call and it everyone p. says p-value. But also, th then you're like, the p-value is the, why isn't it that? So you then, if it's the significance. The significance, yeah. So... Statistical significance relates to the extent to which your data is due to random chance. And I guess in science, we've agreed that you should have 95% certainty that your data isn't due to random chance. Yeah, so p-values would be p is less than 0 0.05. Yeah. And then they're like, so we can make Yay! all the <laughs> fuss we want about our results. because. Yeah. They're significant. I also think it's really funny that pretty much all of science is like, yeah, 95. That's, that's the one. Fine. Like, it's such an arbitrary number. Like, why isn't it it's, 90? Yeah. Or why isn't it 99? Exactly. We're just like, 95. 95. That's what most people got. So, <laughs> 95 it is. They were like, it's really hard to get <laughs> to get anything. So, we're just going to go with that one. <laughs> Otherwise, no one will ever publish anything. Ever. ever. Um, yeah. No, fair enough. But I think. You know, all of those things, as I said, like, all of it is just there to say, 
this means something. Yeah. You know, we can say with confidence, we can say this is the thing in, you know, whatever size the little box of uncertainty. Yeah. Obviously, the smaller you can get it, the more statistical significance you have, the better, because you can be like, this is the number to like 18, 19 decimal places. We want this. We've got it. We've got that. You know, no one is going to be like, well, actually, I don't know if I agree with you making generalisations on that. If you've got 20 decimal points, they're going to go, yeah, Yeah, (laughs) I have a lot of discussions with people about how, yeah, science becomes something that feels like high and mighty and above. Yeah. It's, I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about, about um, objectivity in terms of, you know, like, science shouldn't be questioned. Yeah. This is a way of us saying, we know that there is always going to be something slightly off. Yeah. We don't rule the world as much as scientists like to think they do. We don't, we can't control gravity, birds, whatever it the is. Weather. The weather. The Can't control anything. Not to be nihilistic about it. <laughs> <laughs> My God. But so it's a nice way to kind of say, okay, but we know that it's here. We know that it's yes. This little box. It's yeah. like the rules that science allows itself to operate in. It's the basis behind the authority science has. Yeah, and I think being able to qualify. It's like you know, if someone stands up and tells you to jump off a cliff, you're gonna go, What's no certainty. <laughs> But if someone says, okay, but if you jump off this cliff, there's a nice big pool underneath, and also there's, like, dinosaurs coming, so if you don't jump off the cliff, you're bye-bye. This is the probability you will die You'd go in those cases. Who's going first? I'll jump first. Um, So I think it's that kind of thing where science is saying, okay, this is what we're telling you, and here's why we can tell you that that is a thing. Yeah. So it's almost like like being held accountable. They're yeah. saying, hey, this is why I'm allowed to say what I want to say. Yeah. It's like the yeah, the whole idea of confidence that comes in statistics. Like you can be X amount confident in your data because of the statistical uncertainty and errors that you gain from it. And I like the fact that we use confidence as well, because I don't know, if you have an awful peanut P value, like you're definitely not gonna stand up in front of a <laughs> like conference and, and be like look at my wonderful <laughs> day they're like guys i know i know what this looks like but i swear, like we're doing more repeats we're gonna get there and so i think that like confidence that's not something yeah. that really has a different meaning it just i don't know i think it helps to kind of paint the picture of yeah it's a different application i also think the idea of confidence and stats when you don't have that statistical value I think it's really interesting that a lot of science in the way it operates, especially now, um, they don't value that, you know, the whole idea of scientists doing science for the purpose of publication has pushed and skewed a lot of research to disregard non-significant science, when in actual fact it has a really, like it has a great deal of value in knowing what's wrong or like what's not right you know, which hypotheses aren't correct and where to then look forward. Yeah, um, I think it's something. We're so far into the podcast that everything, and I'm like, whoa, we've it's talked like, about this. Oh <laughs> cool um, but I think we talked about it when we were talking about the scientific method with Freya. We were saying, like, just because you haven't, you know, ticked off that checklist of yeah. scientific method doesn't mean it's invalid. I think, you know, if we go back to the pandemic example and the preprints, 
you know, sometimes people's p-values were awful, but it was the only data that we had yeah. at all. So you're like, having some idea... Is better than... Saying it's between 1 and 10, you know, that narrows it down to 1 and 10. Yeah. I think that ways to say, okay, this data has more value than just, oh, it's less than p is. Yeah. Less than 0.05. You know, there's, yeah, I don't know, it feels like superiority again. The idea that, like, oh, your p-value is awful. Like, who are you as a scientist? And you're like, well, I'm trying to help people. I'm trying. <laughs> you know? Like, things like clinical trials and stuff. Yeah. That's something where you have so many different variables that you're never going to be able to control things enough to get really, really significant numbers. But that doesn't mean that clinical trials aren't incredibly important. And we shouldn't do them. Not do them. <laughs> we should just be like, no, that's not good enough. You know, we need the medicines and, and the results that come from these studies. So yeah, I completely agree. I think if all that happens is people are like, if you don't have peers less than 0.05, like, go away. I don't want to see it. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's not the view of science that we want to have, right? Yeah. I think, yeah. This is getting philosophical now, but science as an institution, I think, needs to be redefined. I think we should do it. I reckon our course... You and I. Yeah, just, sorry. <laughs> just us. You were like, you and me. I was like, the whole, the whole group. <laughs> no, it's just like, us. But no, I agree. I think there's this kind of legacy, and especially I've been thinking about, um, you know, the, I joke a lot that science capital, like the idea of, uh, you know how and why we can get people to pursue science as much as it's a really nice thing and researchers talk about it in terms of equality and stuff like a lot of people just see it as like science is the worthwhile thing so we need everyone to do science and I think also this is saying like worthwhile science is only this top route and actually it's like it's not the way it should work no we don't want people sat there just doing the same thing over and over again until they've got a value if their experiment is awful yeah like what's the point there is none not to be controversial <laughs> but yeah so it's all really interesting and i think there's a really nice thing about being able to have that confidence but then as you say also i don't think we can say just because you don't have that confidence um like that's that's it you're done yeah um but i also found it really interesting when we were talking about science journalism on our course <laughs> Uh, Harry, you're like, I don't know what this is going on. Like, so scary. I meant clearly, I meant to know what's about them. Um, Harriet and Elizabeth, our wonderful actresses, um, talked a lot about the difference between a scientist's priority and a journalist's priority. Yeah. And one thing that the scientist is always really kind of pushing for is to include uncertainty and ex- include that discussion of uncertainty in whatever reporting is happening on their science and I thought that was so interesting like as a scientist that becomes such a priority right it becomes so important to you to be able to say okay and this is how big my box is yeah that my results are somewhere in whereas to the public it means nothing no and you know what we found a lot with the pandemic was when we did highlight that uncertainty all that happened was people were like so you don't know yeah and that's not helpful for anyone no i think that comes back to again like the floor of science as an institution and it also ties in not this is science science communication <laughs> at its finest um the concept of like transparency and trust and the fact that 
science isn't the most transparent, not for anyone's fault, just as a collective. It's just happened that way. There are a lot of people involved in communicating science and it's not streamlined between different journalists, between different outlets. And when you suddenly become more transparent and include the concept of uncertainty, if it isn't dealt with in the right way, and if it's never been dealt with and communicated to the public before, it's a very jarring concept to take on and consider that the data you're looking at isn't an absolute number that is concrete in the world. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's so much of... I was listening to this podcast and they mentioned the term post-truth. And I, it was something that I kind of forgot was a thing for a long time. But it is that kind of rhetoric. And people also talk about kind of anti-science rhetoric. Yeah. And I don't know how much I believe that. Like, I think there is still weight and, and belief holistically in truth. and But I think there is this thing where we're both more aware and it's more public when people lie or things aren't true but simultaneously because we're more aware and we see it more we've kind of become more used to it so it's less challenged yeah you know even when you search up scientific uncertainty on google which i was doing that's that's my you know really highbrow research method before the podcasting thing (laughs) but what comes up is mostly articles saying well, we didn't know what was happening at the start of the pandemic, but now we know. But how do we deal when we don't know stuff? And I was like, yeah. that is a big part of, you know, uncertainty. But that is the colloquial, like the mainstream use of uncertainty, right? That is not the scientific view of yeah. uncertainty. And I think it's one of those things where because we use that same word into, even though, you know, you can see where they both came from. Yeah. You know, the roots of both of them, they've become so polarized against each other that I don't don't think they really share much I like no. much definition at all. And so when we use those two exact same terms in such different ways, I think that in itself really lends to that like anti-science rhetoric because it makes everyone a bit confused about what's happening. Yeah. I think I also Googled. <laughs> scientific uncertainty (laughs) into google and i thought it was really interesting that a lot of the articles that come up have these headlines saying science can never be certain and science has all these errors and straight away you get a negative connotation associated with it which in science isn't true you know until this podcast like prior experience with the term uncertainty in science was just something I learnt and accepted, which again, I studied science, that was gonna happen anyway. I don't know. Like when you go into science, it's just a term you become familiar with. But at the same time, understanding it from a science perspective, understanding the use and the application it has in science, it's never then been something I've questioned and thought, oh, well, science has no use then. I think the problem is that we see uncertainty as a bad thing and like the mainstream, right? If you're yeah. uncertain, that's not good. And I agree with that. Like as far as possible, whatever you're doing, you want to be sure about yeah. it. I feel like that's, you know, not a that's controversial. <laughs> you know? But 
in again it's something that Charles said in his article like actually the connotation that we use it in in science is you know the more defined your uncertainty is the better yeah because you know you know what you don't know almost you've said specifically I know everything up until this point I don't know it's that certainty to me and the fact that we use uncertainty when really what we're talking about is how certain we are yeah I think that's where that connotation comes in and you know, we can't just say, okay, everyone, scientists, all sit down, listen up, we're going to stop using that. We're not using that anymore. Um, but it, it is such a challenge because how do you, you know, you need such effective science literacy campaigns to be like, when we use uncertainty, like, folks, that's not what we mean. We're not saying, we don't know. We're saying, we are almost certain up until this point, you know, yeah. we're 95% certain. Rather, because we frame it as we are, it's less than this yeah. chance of being random, rather than we're this percent certain. Yeah. Like we frame it in that loss framing rather than that gain framing. So I think that's interesting that how that will contribute to that idea that we don't know what we're talking about because we talk about uncertainty. And if we're talking about uncertainty, then we can't know what we're talking about. Yeah. And also, like, if you mention, I think, kind of what we've been saying, if you say the word uncertainty, that's such a negative word. How is anyone going to read or take any message after that word in an article with any positive view, no matter how you frame it? Yeah, I think it's one of those just kind of like, I mean, we're not, sorry, Alex, just in case you thought we're not going to solve this today. Well, <laughs> I need maybe 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 but i think it's just yeah it's one of those things that you kind of i don't know what the solution is it is it is the solution trying to educate the public as far as we can on why we use that term is the solution trying to change that accepted scientific term into something that that reflects it better i don't know what the answer is but i do <laughs> <laughs> well i have two points that could help with this if you want my thoughts <laughs> i'm so no. glad you asked two things that would be that would help with communicating it to people outside of science. One is the fact that we quantify uncertainty. We can tell you how certain we are. I think that's a really important thing. We measure, when we're measuring things, we measure how certain or uncertain we are about that measurement. Very confusing, very inception-y. <laughs> but I think that should give the public some confidence in it. When we give you data and tell you we're this amount confident in that, number that should have meaning it's not something people are just flippantly using and saying oh you know it's probably okay we're saying we're 95% confident which I know like we've said why 95 95 is still high <laughs> and often you get p-values if you have really good data that are even less and if you have p-values that are 0.06 still going to hold some weight to it even if science itself might not consider that statistically significant yeah it won't let you put the asterisks there yeah. but it's like but it's still it's, like it. it's notable you should notice it um the other thing is i think the way in which uncertainty is mentioned should be in a more positive light so what it means to be x amount uncertain in a positive way yeah so saying okay when we when you mention uncertainty being like okay this is the uncertainty but that's what this means yeah. i think yeah i don't want to slag off the whole science communication yeah go for thing it because we're all about to jump <laughs> into that um but i think in a lot of circumstances people assume that when you see a statistic like 
95% confidence. Like, we all, that isn't something that's, like, universally we're all going to understand that in the same way. You know, it goes, I mean, you've studied psychology. I haven't. It's the same as, like, colours. Like, no one perceives that in the same way. So someone could see 95% certainty and one person could go, yes. Like, that's it. And another person could be like, you've got 5% where you're like, who knows? Yeah. Like, I think that the assumptions on both, like, people's numeracy skills in general and how they perceive statistics, I think, are massive things in this, in how do we say, okay, this is... I mean, you can't tell people how to perceive something because that's probably not a great bit. Great, great plan. (laughs) But, you know, giving more explanation, giving more context so people can see what you're seeing in that data, I think, I mean, that's the purpose of science communication. Exactly. Maybe. I think that goes back to, as well, like, the role science communicators, science journalists have. I don't think they place enough weight on communicating data, which is understandable because it's complex. If you haven't studied stats, it's the type of thing you do just wash over. And from their perspective, from an editor's perspective, it's the kind of thing you're probably thinking the audience you're writing to isn't interested in or doesn't understand. But I don't think that should stop them from giving that explanation anyway. I think it's something that needs to be more present in articles talking about science, because if it is, it becomes more commonplace. The more people understand it, the more people talk about it, know about what uncertainty is, the less you're going to get those anti-science views towards science as soon as the word uncertainty is mentioned. Yeah, and I think, you know, it is already becoming something that's more frequent you know you've got mainstream bbc4 shows like um more or less and i see a lot of twitter threads i mean obviously my twitter is slightly slanted towards science communication <laughs> to good weird. communication um but you know you see a lot of twitter threads that are like statistic was in the news let's just break it down and see where it comes from and i think all of those things are just trying to say you see a number think about that number. like what yeah. does that number mean and i think it's about to say the public should think more and that is not what I mean but just like I think science and science journalists are quite guilty of just being like here's the numbers yeah you know you can you do- know what the numbers you can mean. deal with that you can take the numbers and we'll tell you they're good and you'll go yes and I think we should all just be a bit like maybe we should let people you know understand why you're saying they're good yeah I think yeah let's not baby people into saying trust me like let the numbers let them understand the numbers yeah and then they will make their own opinion. And if they understand the numbers correctly, it'll probably be the same opinion you have. Because the whole point of science is that we're not going to be saying, hey, you know how my statistics say that eggs are round? Yeah, well, eggs are square. <laughs> Ideally, your scientific claim is going to be based on that statistic. So if people understand those statistics, they'll go, yeah, I can see I why you're making you. that claim. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, that's the aim. That is the goal of all science. Perfect. Well, there we go. We've sorted some science communication goals for ourselves as, you know, soon to be a science communicator, so that's not stressful at all. But um, thank you so much for coming and chatting, and I'm really sorry that I made you talk about statistics. You should be, but thank you for having me. (laughs) Again, thanks to Alex for joining us this episode, especially as a self-confessed stats hater. If you'd like to explore anything we discussed today in more detail, please check out the show notes for some resources. Make sure you're following us on social media for behind-the-scenes updates, outtakes, and whatever else we can actually remember to post. And tune in next week for Susan's episode of Is That Science, where yours truly may or may not be making a guest appearance. Thanks for listening!